Good morning, wherever you are, and welcome to St. Michael's in the Morning, a podcast series encompassing everything from sermons and services to special audio presentations, brought to you by St. Michael's Episcopal Church in Austin, Texas. For more information, or to make a donation to St. Michael's, please visit www.st-michaels.org. in caring, and so was her work, even for strangers. She was trained as a registered nurse, and Jane was among those who served on the hospital ship Hope during World War II. That still brings the word wow to my lips, and even more so in realizing that at that time, Rosie the Riveter had just kind of put on her bandana And nursing meant starched white dresses and caps and long, tight white stockings and shoes. Even more, wow. So I read a bit about the Hope. It was one of three rescue ships in the Pacific that returned wounded soldiers for care. The other two, by the way, also had app names, Hope and, I'm sorry, Mercy and Charity. The Hope began its work as the war in the Pacific actually was winding down. It made a total of five round-trip voyages across the Pacific to places like Guam and Okinawa and Saipan. Now, these are familiar names to me, and it was just this week that I realized my dad was out in that same dangerous ocean, one of the million men sitting offshore, and it was mostly guys, in the same dangerous place that Jane served. Funny how we're all so connected, huh? Well, in its years of service, the Hope was followed by an enemy submarine. It was torpedoed, it was bombed, and it still continued its work of rescue. It was bold and courageous work, and it required the kind of character and strength that my friend Jane showed for the rest of her life. Now, Like so many caregivers, Jane was not used to what? Receiving care. Yet, as aging's frailty started to swipe at her, she found herself on the unfamiliar side of a hospital bed, that is, in one. It was touch and go for a while. For me, sort of amazing that someone I saw as so much larger than life could become fragile so suddenly. And then she turned around. Jane began to heal and get stronger every day. Now, I'd been with her and her husband through a lot of times, hard times, healing times. And on this one particular day, thank God we were able to laugh again. Jane had her hospital tray, and she was eating and felt good enough to do something no one has ever done, which was to complain just a little about the hospital food. I wish at least they'd heat the bread, she said. That was a pretty great worry after so many dark days. Well, pretty soon it came time for Jane and me to share another meal, communion. This time, too, the bread was cool to touch, Yet this little bread of life, this tiny host wafer, was powerful stuff, overflowing with the power of the Holy Spirit. Food for us, sharing heaven on earth. We followed with the cup, 
the blood of Christ. Now, mind you, understood, blood understood in Jesus' time as the very life force of the being. You know, we sip the life of God, and that still blows me away. I'll never get used to the enormity of it. Every week and more, the life of God. And as we do each week, Jane and I prayed the Lord's Prayer. Now, I was a bit exuberant, and God did not mind a bit. For as I prayed, give us this day our daily bread, I had to add, and please, please, God, would you make it hot? Come on. The man said, ask and you'll receive. So I did. And Jane still flits up alongside me once in a while when I say this prayer. Our prayer today that Jesus gave his disciples teaches us a way to pray. Like the prayers in our book of common prayer, it gives us words to reach for God sometimes when our own may elude us or when we want to share the same words. It gives us a taste of what God is like and what we really need. We hear Jesus speak in his relationship to God, and that relationship is Father. Now, in Jesus' time, we're back to Jesus' time again, fathers and sons were considered one, inseparable, and one would carry on where the other left. Let's be clear. Jesus prays to God the Father in a relationship of perfect love and unity. Hallowed, holy, all-giving, and infinite as the perfect parent that we wish we could be. God prays, Jesus prays for God's kingdom on earth. Now, no mistake, we live in the kingdom of God right here and now. Yet, it is not complete. Jesus prays here that we ask our direction, and that's the hope of the world. He prays for food, bread, the staple of the day. It's sustenance, it's portable, it's life-giving. Yet notice Jesus prays only for enough for today. Tomorrow we'll pray for tomorrow, and that's trust. To forgive, that is to free us. Father John spoke about this in the last sermon before he went away on vacation. God models forgiving freeing us in order that we are unchained from kindling anger and a need for retribution for the hurts of our past. We pray to live free of the suffocating poison of hatred and to be spared times of trial. It's all a prayer of gentleness, of hope, of a relationship of love. And that's a really good definition of prayer itself. The relationship. Prayer is the ongoing relationship between us and God. A conversation. A linking and working together throughout the day. Now, Jesus gives us some words. And understand the prayer is a guide. It is not an absolute. Matthew's got a version of this prayer also in his gospel. And it's slightly different. And when we say the prayer at communion, it's going to be stif different still. The importance is in the heart that asks in trust and lives in hope. And it's a prayer of words. Our first of many prayers we can pray. 
and we use them. And there are other prayers, unwritten, prayed from our hearts and minds, extemporaneous responses to the events of the day, aloud or in silence, we can talk to God as much or as little as we need. Writer Anne Lamott suggests prayers as simple as help, thank you, and wow. They work. But I confess, I had a terrible time speaking the prayers of my heart aloud, especially when someone else might be listening. Praying is so very private. Perhaps prayer is the most intimate part of our lives. Making it harder for me in the past were words from the Bible itself. You see, in Matthew's time, which is Jesus' time, in Matthew's gospel, this Lord's prayer is prefaced by an admonition against those who lived at the time and would pray publicly and loudly right in the middle of everything, looking for admiration from other people rather than a deepened connection with God. They used prayer more as a bullying technique, seeking to look better than, well, all of us. In response, Matthew tells us to pray in secret. Close the door. Don't be like those hypocrites. My notes have in parens here. Can I say don't BS God? Well, this Connecticut Yankee congregationalist child heard Matthew's admonition loud and clear. And here's the key. Unfortunately, I did not understand that I needed to know why he said this and actually who he was talking to. You know, it's really important we understand context when we read our Bibles. It's the whole story. We cannot just take verses out of context and expect to live by them. And as a result of this unknowing, for a whole lot of my life, the notion of forming my words into a prayer that someone else might overhear just paralyzed me. First of all, the Bible says don't do that. And while I trust God enough to speak, what might some other person think? Am I doing it right? Am I sounding pompous? Am I sounding stupid? I don't know. Each of us humans encounters another with our own story, our own background of a day. And then we meet up with another who may be coming from a very different place. And I'm going to tell you this, God's a lot easier to talk to because God knows what we mean, even if we mess up our words, even if we, oh, talk in non sequiturs, no matter what. And praying can be intensely private. But there really, really are times when we need to address the moment with each other and for each other with God out loud. Well, how did I learn? Obviously, I got over it. For me, it was Stephen ministry training. You have Stephen ministries here. It says so in the bulletin, all right? And I know I've seen him talk to him. Yeah. These are the folks whose job is to pull up alongside of us when life throws curveballs. Stephen ministers are out there to listen to our 
broken hearts, confusion, sometimes even in joy. Times of change, of wondering. And they listen quietly, completely privately, walking with us and praying with us and for us. And I'm going to tell you, I, my Stephen ministry training was by far the best I have ever received outside of the seminary. It's extraordinary. It puts our hearts into, and into discipline and prayer. And as part of our training, we were each assigned a prayer partner, and we had to listen to them and pray for them and with them out loud. Well, when the time came, I did the mature thing. I cried. Seems so hard. I love Ginny, my prayer partner. But the responsibility of uttering words for her into the ear of God bent me over. And I did it anyway. And so much more. Paul tells us the Spirit prays in us and for us, and it is true. So if you have my terror, let it go. We can't fail at prayer. I can pray out loud now. Did you see that? <laughs> and there's more to this conversation with God that's called prayer. Because like every conversation, there's a time to speak and there's a time to listen. Just listen. Some people might call this meditation. Others, especially when we're seeking to be filled with the Spirit, it's contemplative prayer. Whatever we call it, it's about emptying the clutter of our day in order to sit in silence before and with and in our living God, to breathe deeply in the Spirit. Attentive, releasing, reconnecting beyond words to that still small voice, making space in our busyness for God. Silence. It is prayer. God knows our hearts and needs with or without words. Know this. However you decide you pray, however you need to pray, when you open your mind and your heart to the one who loves us, it's good. It's all good and it's all right. It doesn't matter if we're in community, reading or speaking aloud, whether we're eloquent or fumbling, or if we're in complete and utter silence. It's all about connecting. And it's all the ongoing conversation that knows God as no stranger. And we are assured that God who loves us will give us what we need. So pray on. I give thanks for the word Jesus, words Jesus gave us, kind of bumpers on the crooked little paths to our hearts. And in my last breath, I pray they are on my tongue. Thanks be to God. Amen.